So how do we build relationships? Find out in this episode of Incremental Health Tips. Welcome to Incremental Health Tips. My name is Jared, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Liz. Today, we're going to be discussing how to build relationships, and particularly, we're going to go over Dr. John Gottman's marriage tips. And just a little bit of background before we get into it and before Liz talks uh, about these tips from a a therapist's perspective. Uh, Since 1973, Dr. John Gottman has studied what he calls the masters and disasters of marriage. Ordinary people from the general public took part in long-term studies, and Dr. Gottman learned what makes marriages fail and what makes them succeed, and what can make marriages a source of great meaning. By examining partners' heart rates, facial expressions, and how they talk about their relationships to each other and to other people, Dr. Gottman was able to predict with more than 90% accuracy which couples would make it and which would not. So Dr. Gottman has a lot of advice for marriage based on all this research, and we're going to go over it today. So I've got a list of seven main tips here that stem out of Gottman's research. And uh, so what I'll do is I'll uh, introduce each one. And Liz, if if you wouldn't mind sharing your perspective as a therapist and just kind of help us unpack the term a little bit. So the first tip is to seek help early. Uh, now that's pretty self-explanatory, but uh, Liz, what's been your experience on that? Well, Gottman has found that most couples wait until they've been married for six years before they seek help, and often that unhappiness starts long before they actually get into a therapist's office. So the sooner you come in for help, then the easier it is to work with and address the problem. If someone's waiting, you know, maybe they've been married six years and they've been unhappy for five that's a lot of time for resentment to build up and to just become angry. And when someone's got a high level of resentment, then you have to work through that, go through a period of forgiveness before you can move on to where you can enrich the marriage. Now, I I think it's pretty intuitive that we tend to understand and accept this medically, that obviously any sort of type of disease that's found sooner is more easily treated and addressed. So the same would be true here is what it sounds like to me. Well, there's also preventive work that can be done. Couples that get pre-marriage counseling are more likely to have a long-term marriage and to have a successful, happy marriage than couples who don't get pre-marriage counseling. So that idea of early intervention, being proactive, You know, a lot of people think, oh, people don't go to couples counseling until they're on the brink of divorce. But if you go in before you're at that point, then it's a lot easier to focus on things that are going to strengthen your relationship instead of working through the resentment and anger of a couple that's on the brink of divorce. Okay, so tip number two here is to edit yourself. So what does it mean to edit yourself? So some people have the philosophy that if they think something, they should say it. But generally speaking in life, if you say every thought you think in your head, it's not going to go well. 
it's important to take some time and think through how is my partner going to hear this when I say it? How is it going to come across to them? And to consider, is there a way I can say it that they'll be more receptive to it? And even maybe consider, is it helpful to our relationship and towards resolving this issue for me to say this at this time? Or as well, I mean, so often you can change how you feel just over a matter of minutes. Yes, I very often say, let's talk about this after I eat. Because usually I'm ragingly angry right before a meal, and then after I eat, I'm not even bothered by it. <laughs> it it also depends on the meal. but uh, All right, and so tip number three is to soften your startup. So what does, what does that mean? So the way that you approach starting up the conversation can make a big difference. So let's say there's some chores that weren't done. You know, if you come into the conversation saying, why didn't you get this done? That's going to put someone on defensive a lot more than, hey, I appreciate all these, you know, all the five or ten different things you did today. I noticed you didn't get a chance to get to this. Thanks for getting done everything you did. And just give them a chance to respond. They're probably on their own going to say, yeah, I'll get that to that tonight or tomorrow or whenever they're able to do it. Well, in in my professional experience, I've uh, at times had people working, uh, wor- working to where they reported to me. And one of the things I found really helpful was to mention to them, hey, it's okay, but next time could you... Um, and this way it's a much softer start into the conversation because you're not blaming them. You're not criticizing them. You're just asking them to be mindful of it in the future. Yeah. I find if someone feels like they've failed at something, they're much more likely to become defensive. All right. So tip number four, we've got to kind of move through these just given our, given our limited time. But tip number four is to accept influence. So can you talk about that? Yeah, so what that means is if your spouse is making a request from you, you know, maybe you can't do it every time, but it is important to actually give in to that request sometimes to hear them out and to really think about, well, what does it mean to my partner if I give them what they want in this case? So for an example, maybe, you know, you usually work late or you're planning to work late one night and your spouse says, well, can you come because I need help with this thing and I need you to be there. You need to actually take some time to think about what does it mean to my partner and can't, is there a way to make this work instead of just saying, no, I've already planned to work that day. Yeah. And also it's, uh, it's your partner whether intentionally or not is trying to hint you and the ability to even move a little bit and compromise and accommodate can really go a long way into gaining some good faith for those times that uh maybe maybe your partner has critical thoughts of you mm-hmm. uh so moving on uh so tip number five is to have high standards 
Yes. So if you have high standards for how you're going to treat the other person and how they should treat you, you know, as in no name calling, no abusive behavior, you're really trying to treat each other in the best way possible as if this person is the most important person to you, then those high standards are going to help to strengthen and build your relationship. Well, standards don't tend to raise over time. (laughs) They definitely lower over time. Um, Like, I'm not saying they can't, but that tends to be the trajectory of it. So that that is an important uh, consideration. Uh, Tip number six is to learn to repair and exit the argument. Yeah, so it can be very easy, especially if people are tired, to say the wrong thing or the person understands it in the wrong way, and then the argument gets heightened and, you know, maybe you start yelling or whatever. And so it's important to recognize, oh... I've said the wrong thing, maybe we need to take a break from this conversation, or just kind of dial it back a bit, and, you know, I'm sorry I said that, and just restart if you can. Well, and also focusing on the common ground you have, because if you want the same thing, if you have the same goal, uh, by affirming that, no, we're actually on the same side of this, that may help as well. Oh, it makes such a big difference if people can say, yes, we both agree on this one point, even if they disagree on how to accomplish it. So this, uh, this last one, the, the seventh tip, seems obvious, seems intuitive, but is to focus on the bright side. So what difference can it make to focus on the bright side? Well, if you've had the experience of being around people who show you appreciation it makes a really big difference when you hear oh great job on this you're doing exactly what you need to do hearing those positive affirmations can really make people feel like what they're doing is worthwhile whereas if they're hearing negative feedback more than the positive it really tends to decrease someone's motivation to continue to do the positive work that they've been doing Well, and we can see this in a number of ways, like uh, finding ways, like, for example, couples that have fun together. Um, Over time, especially after the first few years of marriage, marriages can get very administrative. Uh, Your relationship doesn't uh, revolve around having fun together. And so maybe finding something funny to watch together or something that you both enjoy to do together can also really help you focus on the bright side because then you can maybe find uh, some happiness or positivity in more moments together which can really help you through the times where maybe you don't feel as happy or positive through it. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but thank you very much for listening. If you enjoy our content, please consider liking, sharing, commenting, and subscribing. We upload new episodes of our podcast every Tuesday, and on our YouTube channel, we upload daily short mental health tips that are each under one minute. Until next time, remember that small steps can lead to big changes. We'll see you next time.